It's now time once again to jump in the Wayback Machine. Grab that VHS tape off of the shelf of the last blockbuster standing. That's right, it's time for another edition of 3FN Rewind. Of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host here on 3FN Rewind. My name is Rich, and joining me, one of my co-hosts over at 3FN Podcast, but also, you know him as, well, you're kind of like the Sandra Bernhard to my uh, Robert De Niro in this case. Hey, Sandra Bernhard looked hot in this movie. I, I'm I, agree I, with I, you. I mean, she didn't look hot later in life, but... I agree with you, but of course, this is Ron. So, so I'm hot. So you're saying I'm hot. Yeah, you're hot. I'm hot. Nice. You're, you're a hot guy. I love it. Well, a hot chick in this case. No, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. If I want to get a DMCA, I would play hot chick right now, just for you. <laughs> just just for you, Ronald. Well, we are back, and of course, we're kicking off the month of February here on 3FN Rewind with a classic movie, of course, falling within the parameters of the 40 and 30-year anniversary in celebration of me just being turning 40 recently. <laughs> so with that, we are going to be reviewing The King of Comedy, which I will say, you know, a lot of times I say classic, like I did for Nowhere to Run, and it's <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, but in this case, this is really a, really a classic movie. Yes, it is. A, a truly, truly classic movie. But before we dive into the king of comedy, we need to take care of some business and let you know how to get a hold of us. And it's very simple. For all of the links that you're going to need, you just have to visit 3fnpodcast.com. Right there at that website, you're going to find all the social media links. You'll find the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content, plus you help support the show. Also, while you're there, there's a Public link. There's links to uh, friends of the show, like the ODPH Podcast. There is also links to the musical directory to uh, have you support the bands who support us by allowing us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs. Of course, make sure you follow all those bands and support them on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last, but certainly not least is the local sponsors who help bring this show to you and all the shows we do here on the 3FN uh, Podcast Network to you commercial-free. And, of course, the main sponsor for 3FN Rewind is our good friends at Dragon Master Games. For all of your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. And, of course, if you forget any of those links, it's simple. Just go to 3FNpodcast.com. Well, Ron... We're getting in the Wayback Machine. We are going way back. Way back. Back into time to talk about, you know what? Probably one of the most underrated Martin Scorsese films. True. One of the that. most underrated Martin Scorsese films, in my opinion. And that, of course, is The King of Comedy. And before we dive into this movie... If you've never seen The King of Comedy before, or if it's been a long time, because I know some people listen to the reviews, even with spoilers in them, just to see if they want to watch a movie, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, you're going to be really familiar with this movie, because throughout the movie, and at the end, I'm going to really get into it, this uh, Todd Phillips, Joker, the Joker, I should say, yeah. took a lot of uh, inspiration, in quotation marks, from this film. Yeah, all, all the way. All the way. And uh, although, giving credit, did pay homage, bringing Robert De Niro full circle yes. in The Joker as he then becomes the comedic talk show host instead of the psychopath. Yes. So, before uh, we go any further with this movie, we always like to start off and let you know about a synopsis from IMDb. And usually I pick a, a couple different ones, and this one does have a couple different ones. I'm not going to pick the overwinded ones. Are you ready to hear some synopsises? Sure. From, or is it Synopsi? So, ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh. At home, let us know. Hit us up on the social medias, because I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look into that. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> first of all, the first synopsis is Rupert Pumpkin is a passionate yet unsuccessful comic who craves nothing more than to be in the spotlight. And to achieve this, he stalks and kidnaps his idol to take the spotlight for himself. And that's a little loose. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that completely. No. We'll, we'll talk about that more. Uh, the second one we're going to read for you, Rupert Pumpkin, or not Pumpkin, Pumpkin, is obsessed with becoming a comedy 
uh, great. However, when he confronts his idol, talk show host Jerry Langford, with a plea to perform on the on Jerry's show, he is only given the runaround. He does not give up, however, but persists in stalking Jerry until he gets what he wants. Eventually, he must team up with his psychotic Langford-obsessed friend Masha to kidnap the talk show host in hopes of finally getting to perform his stand-up routine. Once again, I don't think that's a very good synopsis either. No. Because they, they miss a lot there. And so we'll go with this final one. Rupert Pupkin, De Niro, desperately wants to become a comedian and approaches popular talk show host Jerry Langford, Jerry Lewis, for a chance to perform on his show. After being given the runaround, Rupert teams up with his psychotic Langford-obsessed friend Masha Bernhard to kidnap Jerry in hopes of finally getting to perform his stand-up routine. That's a little closer, but still off. Yeah. None of these synopsis really kind of nail what... The king yeah, of comedy is. There's a lot. I mean, there, I mean, I do understand that there's a lot involved, but it, like, I, I would. It's not that complicated. No, in my opinion. All right, so let's dive into the stats now. And uh, first of all, it was released on February 18th of 1983, sufficing the 1983 rule. However, it was released in Iceland in 1982. Oh. I thought that was a weird, like, early, you know, like place to release. Usually, you see places in like London or Japan or. China sometimes, but like Iceland. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have I don't to do know. a little history on that. Maybe, maybe there was funding there that I didn't look into when I was doing some looking up. But uh, 1983, February 18th in the United States and the rest of the world. The runtime of this movie, 109 minutes. Of course, I already mentioned this before, but the director of this movie is the legendary, and I mean this, certified nerd director, oh, yeah. if you will, Martin Scorsese. Uh, Martin Scorsese's first movie he ever made was New York City, Melting Pot, in 1967. And then uh, the 70s started to be very good to him because Taxi Driver going into the 80s with Raging Bull. Of course, this movie. Then Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Casino, The Departed, Shutter Island, The Irishman was one of the last ones he did, and so many more. And I know he's got stuff in the works all the time legend you know i always forget about cape fear yes and i always forget it's his movie and i i want to make this observation we talked about this uh yesterday when we're recording uh with the owner one of the owners of dragon master games it's interesting because scorsese early in his career a lot of work with de niro and then he switched to to dicaprio yeah so he always has that one star that he works with primarily because you got to remember Taxi Driver, De Niro, yep. Raging Bull, De Niro, Goodfellas, De Niro, Cape Fear, De Niro, Casino, De Niro, you know, yep. and then you go on, The Departed, Shutter Island, those are both with DiCaprio, and then Irishman is actually with uh, De Niro and Pacino. Yeah. So, like, he's he's got his two favorite actors, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. Nothing fucking wrong with that at all. I think that it's amazing that the high-caliber actors he works with, also a high-caliber director, I think that's a winning success. Always. Next up, the screenplay for this was written by Paul D. Zimmerman. Uh, his first movie that he did as a writer was Lovers and Liars in 1979. After that, he didn't he didn't do a lot of big like movies. He did Consuming Passions, which is his next biggest one, but a lot of small things, and he did, had very few credits as well. Unfortunately, uh, Paul D. Zimmerman passed away from colon cancer on March 2nd, 1993, at the age of 54. And the cinematographer for this film also doesn't have a ton of stuff, but he has a, a bulk of really good movies. Uh, Fred Schuler, his first movie that he directed was Gloria in 1980. Oh, Jesus. Talk about a movie to yeah. fucking start your directing career yeah. uh, Stir Crazy, Arthur, Easy Money, Fletch, and Armed and Dangerous rounds out his uh, cinematography. Amazing. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. throw that out there. That's a great career. You don't yeah. even have to have a ton of stuff to no. have a great career. Well, that's going to bring us to the fun part because every every movie has to have these. I think it's time to talk about the actors. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? All right, and the stars of this film are pretty easy because, of course, in the starring role, Robert De Niro playing Rupert Pupkin. Uh, he was in uh, Greetings in 1968. was his first movie he ever acted in. Uh, then he would get his huge break a few years later as he was in The Godfather Part Two, And then uh, we already kind of mentioned it, Taxi Driver. He was also in The Deer Hunter, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Cape Fear, A Bronx Tale, Casino, Heat, The Analyze This Movie, so Analyze This and Analyze That, all the Meet the Parents movies, and most recently, in 2022, he was in a movie that you certified nerd, Amsterdam. So good. I just want to throw out, De Niro's has a long crew. If you think that was a long list, could you imagine if I really listed off of oh, all Jesus. of Robert De Niro's films? Because, woo, that man has a movie, like his filmography is disgustingly we'd, good. We'd, we'd be here for another half an hour. Speaking about a man who has a disgustingly good uh, filmography that I listed very little of, not on you know intentionally or to be 
mean. It's just that most of his movies took place in the 1960s and such. So if you would like to go back and watch them, I do definitely recommend it. And that is Jerry Lewis, uh, who plays Jerry Langford in this movie. Kind of awesome that he got to keep his first name. Yeah. Jerry Lewis's first movie that he was uh, in was My Friend Irma in 1949. He would then be in movies such as The Nutty Professor. That's the original one. Yep. Uh, the Family Jewels. Mr. Saturday Night. Yep. Uh, Arizona Dream. And uh, most of uh, his last film that he was in was the, a movie called The Trust in 2016. Unfortunately, the late, great Jerry Lewis passed away on August 20th of 2017 at the age of 91. <sighs> also, Jerry Lewis was very well known as for the muscular dystrophy yes. uh, fundraiser he did every year. So... Uh, you gotta, you gotta love Jerry Lewis. I heard in real life he was a real prick. Probably was, but he did a lot of nice things too. So it's kind of a weird balance, and that's gonna kind of play into this movie because that's how his character is in this movie. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, Jerry Lewis was playing either the Jerry Lewis stereotype, or he was playing himself legit. It could be. Next up was a young Sandra Bernhard playing Masha. Uh, before this movie, her first movie was Nice Dreams in 1981. Uh, you would later see her in Hudson Hawk, uh, The Late Shift. That was the movie about the late night wars between oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Jay Leno and uh, David Letterman. Yep. Also, she was in Zoolander and most recently, American Horror Story. <laughs> She's played a role in that in a couple seasons. Yes. Uh, and Sandra Bernhard, you know her from also Roseanne and a ton of other things. Sandra Bernhard, if when you grew up, when you were born in the 80s like me or even Ron, who was born in the 70s technically, but you grew up in that 80s, 90s range, you would see her on MTV and yes. shit like that all the time. Oh, TV all the time. shows. She'd pop up as herself on things all yeah. the time. And the last uh, person that I'm going to list off as starring in this movie is Diane Abbott, who played Rita Keen in this movie. Of course, her first major motion picture, Taxi Driver, 1976. Oh, so it was nice. re she was reuniting with Scorsese and De Niro. Uh, she was also in uh, a movie called Day After Day in 2017. She only has 14 projects on her IMDb. A lot of them are uh, like smaller movies, and there's some theater and also uh, some TV spots. But I thought she was really uh, tremendous in this movie. She's not in it for a long period of time, but she is one of the main stars. Those yeah. are the four main stars of this film. You know, you also have Ed Hurley in the movie as himself. He's an announcer, and he's in it as himself. Yeah. Lou Brown is the band leader. So basically, a lot of people playing themselves in this yeah. movie. Uh, so it's definitely one of those things that I want to throw out there that it is definitely, definitely... Uh, a movie that you should check out. We're going to say that early as a recommendation, even though we don't do that here with the no spoilers. And uh, also, big shout outs to Scorsese for putting his mother in this movie. Catherine Scorsese is, Ru is the voice of Rupert's mom since we never see her. Oh, nice. So, shout no, outs man. to Martin Scorsese for putting your mom in the film. And honestly, I mean that wholeheartedly because that's no. fucking awesome. No, I, like, I, 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 like, I realize that you don't see her at all, kind of like. Big Bang Theory nowadays. So, ready yeah. for this? We're going to talk about that because I think there's an interesting part at the end of this movie that might explain that even. Oh. So, budget of this film was $19 million. Ron, this was a fucking box office disaster bust. It made less than $5 million. Oh, okay. $2.5 million to be exact. I'm not even going to let you guess. That's how bad of a bomb this movie was. Wow. That's, yeah, that's... And it, really odd because Raging Bull had come out at this point. This is not this is not Scorsese's first big movie. No, people just didn't get it. That's that's the problem. This is definitely a different movie, so I can understand yeah. that. And Taxi Driver was also out, so I mean, and this is this is more in the vein of Taxi Driver, but with less action. Yeah, and I'm not saying the Taxi Driver is an action film, but there is more no, there is kind of like action esque beats, if you will. Yes upbeat this movie is kind of this is a, a story <laughs> there's not really much to the action cat you know like and i shouldn't say act because like it's not an action movie it's a drama but there's not as much to it as like you know basically even the kidnapping is lame well, and yeah. i'm not saying that in a bad way but no. this movie is more meant to be psychological this yes. movie is most, more to be a thought-provoking movie this word movie being called the king of comedy i really truly believe is because this is a comedy in the greek sense of comedy oh yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. this movie oh, yeah, is yeah. a greek comedy this is not a you know there is chuckle points in this movie because there is funny stuff yeah but, but it's not meant to be a comedy it's meant to be a greek comedy so yeah. it's very tragic very downtrodden so let's kick right into the movie shall we yeah 
one of the things I think this movie does far and beyond and amazingly well is it takes you out of what is real and what is not, but it doesn't get you lost. You know when you're in a fantasy world for the most part because our main character, Rupert Pumpkin, is is a crazy fan, basically. Uh, he's got mental problems. I don't know what we would call them these days. I wouldn't quite say it's schizophrenia. I would say it's more of a psychotic thing because he sees you know, things yeah. that aren't there. And in his head, he has built this relationship with Jerry Langford, who is this very sex- successful night show host. Think about Johnny Carson. That's kind of the role, yeah, pretty much. He's pretty Johnny much. Carson. If you're a comedian and you want a big break, you have to be on Jerry Langford's show, yeah. the Jerry Show. If you want to, you know, you know, he's going to be he's he's the mover and shaker. Yes. And so, therefore, he's studied everything, and we find the oh, movie. I like how opens hot. You introduce instantly to Jerry Langford because we get to see a little portion of his show. He's yes. doing a monologue. He's having a lot of fun, and then we go to the post show where everybody is clamored outside of the studio to get autograph books signed. Yes, which is a big thing back then. Yeah, and like not like now where you have it all cordoned off. People had more access then, which obviously as years would go on, that would change. Yes. So we we get introduced there to uh, Rupert, who is in his finest suit, looking very Jerry esque. Oh, very much. And so. the crowd knows Rupert very well as we find because he's always there. Oh yeah, and he's a, he's a guy who we find out later on has gotten autographs since he was a kid. Yeah. So he's got tons of autographs. Marilyn yeah. Monroe yeah, 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 and yep. you name the actor or actress, he has it. Yeah. And then like somebody was like in the background, you hear, "I have so and so. I'll get. I'll trade you this for Barbara Streisand and somebody else." Like I, he's like, like I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Like they're, like they're all like trying to, put, you know, like like baseball cards, trade oh. trade signatures. And of course, finally Jerry does emerge, and they get him to his car. But when he gets in the car, a crazy stalker fan is in there trying to kiss him and that is Sandra Bernhardt's yeah. Masha character and that's how we get introduced to Masha right up Diesel's alley <laughs> exactly I mean Diesel wouldn't have jumped out of the car like Jerry did no. though Jerry gets out of the car the The crowd is kind of getting dispersed and Rupert seizes the mo- you know we get the opening credits first we yeah. have a freeze frame of Masha slamming on the window and Jerry looking in fear and Rupert standing to the side and it's a freeze frame on the entire open credit and then when it comes back uh, Rupert seizes the moment and he kind of gets everybody away from Jerry. So therefore, th- this is how we set up him getting in the car with Jerry. Jerry's like, I don't let people get rise. He's like, well, I did put my life on the line for you. Look at they cut my hand. Yeah. So Jerry gives him his handkerchief and they drive off. And as they're driving off, Rupert pitches to him that he's a comedian. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, good. Well, where are you working? Well, you know, I'm not really working right now, but, you know, I've been studying you and your pauses and I know how to deliver the lines and and basically, in a moment of being very nice, it looks like for, for Jerry, he goes, well, you know, the, my advice to you is you, you got to start at the bottom. So go to the clubs and you get, get a job and work and you just keep working and you're going to eat a lot of shit and it's going to yeah. be bad. But that's how you come up. That's how we all did. That's how I did it. Yeah. And that's just, you know, and what's this great sound advice for anybody who's going to be a comedian. So you see Jerry's giving him initial advice, even though he's kind of like, oh, this guy's a little weird, but I think he means well. Yeah. And then he says, hey, call my, you know, Call my uh, secretary and uh, we'll send her over some of your work or whatever. We can send somebody to look at, you know, a place where you're working and see where you are. And I'll, I'd, I'd love to tell you about it and maybe get you on the show eventually. And I mean, you don't just jump to the, yeah. the biggest night show in the in the world. You have, yeah. to, you have to do you have the work. To, so you have to do the work first. And after they get out of the car, I think this is where Jerry realizes how crazy Rupert is because he keeps going, Jerry. Jerry, and he keeps stopping him. And my favorite one, is, this is a funny moment in the movie. He goes, hey, I want to show you a picture of my pride and joy. And it's a business card that has a picture of a bottle of pride and joy dish cleaner. Yep. And even Jerry cracks a smile and laughs because it is kind of funny. Yeah, it is. He tells him to keep it. And they go on and back and forth for a little while. And Jerry finally gets into the, the building, his apartment building. And then Rupert fucks off. And now, because of this, though, is where you finally get to see how... Uh, mentally unstable Rupert is because what does he do next? He's got a whole conversation of them at dinner. Yes. That he's playing out in between his mother going, who are you talking to Rupert? Yeah. It's just b- bouncing back and forth. Like it, you're like you're, you're in, you're in the, the restaurant with them. And then all of a sudden you bounce into his basement and he's talking and you hear his mother, who are you talking to? Nobody mom or, or I'm busy. Stop, I'm, I'm busy. Stop, yeah. I'm busy. I'm busy. Me. Yeah. And then, Rupert, it sounds like you're talking to somebody. Because it'll go back to like his yeah. fantasy in his head where he's at dinner and Jerry's asking him to take over his show. Yeah. 
for six weeks. Six I'm weeks. just asking for six weeks. And he's getting asked for autographs. And every once in a while, when his mom yells in, you go back to reality where he's just sitting in his basement. Yeah. And it's this is where you kind of finally, oh. Yeah, this is this is This is weird and crazy. And that's going to carry on because throughout the movie, we go back to this basement where he has like a mural on the wall of a crowd. Yes. And then he has a couch set up where he has a cutout, a life-size cutout of a seated Jerry. And then also... Uh, Eliza uh, Minnelli. Yep. And he's got a microphone. Well, I don't know if it's real or fake set up yeah. in front of the chair and he's, oh, you know, hey, and they're talking to him and, you, and we're from our vantage point, we see him talking to cutouts and his world. He seems to be talking to them. Yeah. Because they didn't warp us into the world for this, which is kind of interesting. And I, I like the dichotomy there because it really goes to build and also shows how much of an actor Robert De Niro oh. fucking is, man. Dude, that it shows how great of an actor that he is. It also shows how well they edited the scene with the dinner, too, because it's very seamless. Mm. Like, and then you get into, like, him doing the his show, so quote-unquote, to put, you know, with just the cutouts, and he's just te- delivering these lines, like, like, great, like, so great that you're just sitting there like, holy shit, like, he's talking to nobody, but he's having a whole conversation. Oh, absolutely. And that's when we get him going finally to a bar, and he goes and talks to Reed and says, hey. I'm friends. I'm friends with Jerry Langford. Yep. And you know, you don't believe me? Oh, can I just take you out to dinner? And he, they went to. We find out they went to high school together. Yeah. And she's like, you know, she was voted. Oh, you're voted the the most pretty. I voted for you. Yeah. You know, he's like, I, I just want to make you happy. I want to take you away from this stuff. I'm going to be a big deal. I'm going to be the next king of comedy. Yep. And that's where you first hear him talk about how he's going to be the next king of comedy. And she is kind of leery of him, but is still kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? She's intrigued well not just intrigued but i feel like she almost is like playing a part just to to, oh, to she feels appease him. She yeah, feels yeah, bad. yeah bad about him because she knows that he's not friend, really friends with jerry right so she's kind of she's kind yeah. of this this weird character where at times she's she's very sweet to him because i think she, in nature she's a sweetheart of a human being yes but at the same time she's also leery of him well it probably he's probably been this way since school too so like he probably you know i don't think it just came around so well, he mentions that he got uh, picked on a lot in school. Yeah. Like, he mentions that a couple different times, because he mentions that during uh, his uh, comedy scene, Yeah, where instead of going to a club, like they said, and recording a set, he records it on a recorder in the basement and sets it up like he's on the show. Yeah. Then there's another scene that we see where he's doing a monologue, that, uh, like a monologue-style comedy, in front of that mural. Yeah. Where he's just standing there. And there's very interesting camera cuts and stuff. The cinematography was was really, really good. Fred Schuller did an amazing job oh, yeah. here. Of course, the direction of uh, Martin Scorsese, it's always top notch. Yeah. I'm going to say that. So as this movie progresses on in this, re- so we got now a, a split offs. You know, the one thing that I think is interesting is we don't get a lot of Masha. Like no. occasionally she comes in. We see how crazy she is because at one point in juncture, she's stalking. Yes. Jerry on his way to work, he sees her, and then there's a full on foot race to yeah. the door <laughs> out through New York City, like crossing the street. Does she? Uh, she almost no, gets. She gets, almost gets hit by, by a car. Yeah, yeah. He he almost gets yeah. hit by a car. Yeah. They're not bumping into people because outside of the studio, it's or his yeah. the studio uh, offices, it's super busy. Yeah. And he finally he just gets in, thankfully ahead of her. It, it's fucking crazy to watch, and you're just like. But at the same time, it's amusing. But you're getting this world where this man is being stalked. Yeah. And I wouldn't say as much that Rupert stalks him. Rupert, in his head, is is mentally ill and thinks that they're friends. Yeah. And he's never really stalking him. He's just kind of badgering because he hears what he wants to hear, and then he makes up the rest. Yeah. So because he offered to buy Jerry dinner during that initial conversation, he is convinced that they're, should, that they're friends and that they should have dinner together. And he's also did not hear the secretary portion. He's, he's evaded that, that he wanted him to bring, come and meet with him. Yes. And set up a meeting and that they were going to work on his material. This is what he made up in his head. So yeah. he's not really stalking him per se. Whereas, yes, I know that uh, Masha is also mentally, oh, yeah. uh, you know, has a mental issue as well. However, she's a straight stalker. In her head, they're lovers. Yeah. But she is stalking, stalking him. Oh, all the way. 100%. Like she creeps on him. She knows when he leaves the house. She knows, knows everything about knows him. Knows when he's sleeping. Knows, knows when yeah. he's awake. <laughs> yeah, knows exactly where he is. So like she's the classic stalker, whereas Rupert's not really the classic stalker. He literally legitimately thinks from that conversation in the car that they're friends. Yeah. Prior to that, he was just obsessed. He was like, you know, an obsessive fan. 
not stalking Jerry. Yeah. After that conversation, he now believes that they're friends because in his mind, he heard different than what yeah. the conversation really was. Exactly. So he ends up calling the office and bombarding the office. He ends up going up to the office and sitting there. And finally, they send out Mrs. Long, who is the one of the producers of the show. Yes. And she says, hey, you know, basically tells him exactly what Jerry had said. Hey, listen, you should be working in front of crowds. When you get work, we can send a scout out. Just go book some time and we'll, we'll send a scout out. For, yeah. uh, absolutely. Jerry has said that, you know, he remembers talking to you. You know, go out there and do that. Well, I don't really have. Can I tape something? Yeah, if you have a tape, yeah, bring it. We'll listen to it. Yes. We'll listen to it. Like, absolutely. So they're really being nice to him because I really think that everybody doesn't think that he's a danger or a threat. No, not, not at this time. He's just trying to get his foot in the door. And, right. and they understand that because that happens all the time. But at least he's nice about it. He's yeah. always dressed in a suit. He yeah. looks nice. He's very polite. He's very well-mannered. And I think that that's really where it goes when you first meet him as far as, far as the office workers go because they're like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That changes. <laughs> Very quickly. Because after he delivers the tape, he's basically, you know, okay, so when when will I hear from you? And she's like, well, we could probably listen by tomorrow, if not Monday, because obviously I'm assuming it was a Thursday. Yeah. Because if you're going to listen to it, and Friday's a possibility, and then Monday's the other, I'm assuming it's Thursday. So he's like, well, you know, I, I'd really would like to have the feedback but sooner. And she goes, okay, I'll tell you what. How about you come by at 4 o'clock tomorrow? Which would be Friday, and, and, yeah. and we'll, we'll uh, I'll listen to it, and we'll talk. You know, I'll give you some criticisms and stuff, and yeah. we'll see where you're at, you know? And very nicely. I thought she did a very good yeah. job of that. Oh, yeah. and, you know, obviously, you could tell she's leery of him, but she likes, again, he's coming across as a super nice guy. He just looks like a guy who's trying to make it. Yes. So the next day, we get that meeting, and that's where they finally have, oh, shit, this guy's crazy. Yes. Maybe not a threat at first, but crazy. Because she says, oh, you know, once again, they tell him Jerry's not there. Mind you, this is the same day that Masha chases Jerry into the building. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> so she, she says, oh, he's not there, but I listened to your tape. And you know what? There's some, fu there's some fun stuff in there, I, but there's some things you need to work on. Yes. You know, one, some of your one-liners aren't quite as funny, but a lot of the overall stuff is actually really good stuff. And I don't know if she was being completely honest with him or not, but it seemed like she was being genuine. No, I, I, think, I think it was being honest. Like, hey, you, just saying, like, hey, you need to the, the, the work, do a little more work, mm -hmm. flush out some stuff, get, a, get it a little, little tighter. Because, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, I think if it was crap, she would have just straight up said it was crap. Right, I agree. So that he pushes the issue, and she's, you know, oh, is Jerry? You know, she, he goes, no, but I represent Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, I, I'll do respect. I like to, you know, I'd like to disagree with you. I think Jerry would find it, whatever. And she goes, well, here's the thing, you you have an upside, but you need to work on it. Yeah. Like it's not that's that's all I'm gonna do, and we're not gonna book you. Like that's that's just how it's gonna work. If you if you go and get it and go to a club, get some jobs, work. And, and perform, we'll come out and see you and your act gets a little tighter and then maybe we can do something. It is on the table. I'm telling you to call us and we'll definitely yeah, yeah. keep our eye for you. And he kind of gets a little what, and that's when she finally walks away and he's like, you're, you're making a big mistake. You're making a big mistake. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, yeah. now she's getting a little yeah. whatever. So he's waiting there for Jerry and they finally send out security and the security guy's really nice though. Once again, they don't think you see him as a threat even at this point. No, the security guy's just like, hey, if you don't have a, you know, we have rules and policies. If you understand that, sir, and the rules and policies say that if you don't have a meeting, you can't be in the building. So you're right. going to have to wait outside because you don't have a meeting. Which which is very common back then. But it was very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very I mean, nice he tells him he's making a mistake, but he's like, no, sir, I get it. I get it. You know, but you, you know, when you have a meeting, you can come back. Yeah. But no problems. No problems. So he goes outside, and that's when he bumps into Masha, and Masha's like, oh, Jerry's in that building. I chased him into the building. <laughs> she, she tells him. Yeah. <laughs> so he storms back in, because now he's upset. He's there like, he's, they're making a fool out of you. They're yeah. making a fool. So he storms back in, and he's like, Jerry, Jerry, and he's running through the thing, and finally, that's when they really throw him out of the building. Yeah. And if you ever come back, we will have you arrested. Yes. So do not come back. You're not welcomed here. You're no longer doing business with us. Yes. So the next thing you know... <laughs> For whatever reason, Rupert goes and sees Rita and says, hey, we're invited to Jerry's house for the weekend because in his mind, the meeting at this at the studio um, offices went as such as Jerry sat down with him and said, hey, come to my house for the weekend. I have guests coming, yeah. but we can work on your stuff over the weekend. Yes. So he believes in his mind that he's been invited to Jerry Langford's house, which I'm assuming is in Long Island. 
Because uh, it's not his apartment. Well, it's not his apartment because they go out of town. Remember, they take the train yeah. out. So I'm assuming Long Island. Someplace with a golf course because he comes in with a golf club. Right. Yeah. Usually people that are rich in New yeah. York City live in Long Island. So yeah. that's that's yeah. where I'm going to go with it. It was Long Island. Maybe out in the Hamptons. They don't really get specific because no. it's this gorgeous, gigantic house and he's out golfing. So when they show up, the poor the poor butler, <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows every, he knows where Jerry, you know, Rupert knows where Jerry is. Yep. He knows the names of people. He's, you know, so the, the butler's like, well, maybe he's supposed to be here. Maybe he's not. So he goes and he calls Jerry and he's like, there's a guy here. Yeah. Uh, Rupert, Rupert Pumpkin. And I think he says pumpkin. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's here. And he says that he's uh, spending the weekend with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You should come back. He's, he's, we, we, we are, we, we are scared of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, Rita is there under Geises that Jerry invited them. So she's playing records and having drinks and taking yeah. a look around. And in the meantime, you know, Rupert's very nervous and it's not because he doesn't think he's there. He just doesn't want to make Jerry angry. Yeah. So Jerry comes back to the house. And he's been golf. He's got golf club in hand, and he is no longer being nice. No, <laughs> he's like, you know, you come to my office, you create a disturbance, you come here, you're not well. I didn't invite you here. Well, you said well, we could work. No, that never happened. Yeah, well, where, where did you get this scenario? Like, what's going on here? He said, and he's like, you need to go wait at the end of the driveway. Fifteen minutes. There's going to be a cab to come pick you up, and I suggest you get into it, yes. or else I'm going to call the police. Yeah, I can have you arrested. You know that, right? I can have you arrested. And he's like, I think I'm being slighted here, Jerry. Yeah, and he keeps going, and he keeps calling him Jerry, and he keeps like, Jerry, Jerry, come on, man, you invited me, and like, like, in, in, like, just keeps having playing this scenario out with himself, and but it keeps going, Jerry, come on, man, look, you know, I brought my friend Rita with me, blah blah, you know, just that kind of stuff over and over and over again, trying to uh, force the narrative to his his way, like, right. like and it, which is done amazingly. Cause it, and it's always like Jerry, come on, we're old friends. Come on, why you gotta do this in front of me? Like, is basically how it's going, and it's it's done beautifully in this whole scene. And Jerry Lewis freaking kills it, being so pissy about it. Like in his his rebuttals and stuff. Like, this is probably one of the best you know um, scenes where it's one on one, even though there's four other people in the scene, where it's just they're they're banter back and forth, and they nail it on both sides. Absolutely. Which brings us to, uh, by the way, did you catch the fact that uh, uh, that, that, that his date, Rita, stole some like crystal thing oh, yeah, off yeah, the thing, yeah, but yeah. never comes up again, which is weird. Well, she, she was like, well, fuck it, I'm here, and yeah. he's kicking us out. I, might I, as well. I thought it was funny. I don't know if it was an ashtray or whatever it was, but it was some like crystal like thing on well, the she's she's, she, she's a bartender in a dive bar in New York City. Like, So she's making you know probably just enough to get by. I think she does have a daughter. I think that was said. Yes, I do. So, so you know, she's a single mother. Obviously, if she's going out to the Hamptons or wherever this is with, uh, you know, the Jer- or Rupert. Rupert, sorry. And he goes, you know, so obviously she's single mother trying to get. So she's like, hey, well, since since I wasted my time out here, I'm not making any money. I'll make money this way. I mean, I don't blame her. I'm just saying it's weird that it never comes up again. Yeah. But if you catch that, it's there. And that's when finally we get into like the third act of this movie. And now Rupert's now, you know, he's kind of mad at Jerry. And of course, Masha is obsessed with Jerry and they decide they're going to fucking kidnap Jerry. Yeah. And they stalk and kidnap Jerry <laughs> at gunpoint at gunpoint. And we find out earlier in a dialogue that Masha lives in a townhouse. And so, you know, in New York City, that kind of alludes that you're rich. And she is. She's actually richer than we thought she was. Yes. Like when they when they take Jerry to a place, it's her house. And they've got all these expensive statues and gold and China and all this shit. So, you know, she's, you know, from money. Yes. And it's so it's kind of interesting. And they have Jerry call the studio. I always thought this this part was funny to me. They call he calls the studio with cute cards, and they make this hilarious because uh, Jerry's at gunpoint. He calls and he says, you know this, you know this is Jerry Langford. Uh, put Thomas on the phone, and they they hang up because they think he's a prank. You know, yeah, they think it's somebody impersonating Jerry. So he calls back and he's insistent. So finally, Tom, you know Thomas gets on the phone. He says, you know, ask him the questions. There's questions that has to be asked to make sure that it's not. Yeah, well, uh, an imposter. Well, what do we call the second cameraman? Yes. And I forget the name when he says. Yeah, I forgot yeah, too. But, but then he goes, what's your favorite color? Plaid. Yeah. <laughs> and those are the two. Those are the two questions to determine yeah. that it is. Really Jerry. Really Jerry. So then Jerry's like, I, I you know, I'm, it's kind of important. I got to read something. So he's reading through the cards. And like, they're, they're slow. And it's like, I have a gun. And he's like, motioning it with his like hand at the time. 
uh, to my head, if you do, uh, a guy named the king is going to call. If you don't put him on, they're going to shoot me. But at some point in juncture, one of the things is upside down. Yeah, yeah. One of them's backwards. <laughs> they're out of order. He's so like, it does play comedy wise. It does play very well comedy wise because he's actually just being, Jerry's just being calm and collective and just reading the cue cards. He's like, hold on. I'm reading cue cards. <laughs> yes. He goes, hold on. I got to go back a cue card because he's got a out of order. And it, 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 in this dark comedy, it's plays so well like it's not very super funny it's not laugh out fun out loud funny but when you're when you're digesting this movie you get this little comedy scene in here that plays out way better than it would in any other movie oh absolutely so it's just how beautifully it's done so eventually rupert does go to the studio uh he finds you know mrs long is like i'm the king because that's the yeah. code word. And then the FBI and New York police, New York City police are there. They're questioning him. And Rupert's like, just doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Give me somebody from the show. Yeah. just. And then like, uh, give me, you know, I think it's time for makeup. So they let him do the monologue. And we find out the plan beforehand is we're going to tape the monologue because that's how they do the shows anyways. And then if we don't find, you know, they'll buy us four hours to find Jerry. If we don't find Jerry, we play at 1130. So we get Jerry back. And because, you know, obviously they think you're going to kill him if not. Yeah. So we don't get to see the monologue because right after the monologue's over, he tells the cops, I need you to take me to one more place and to watch it. And if it's on, everything's good. Yep. You know, everything's fine. In the meantime, while that happens, they take him somewhere, which you'll, we'll, we'll discuss in a second. Uh, basically, Masha is trying to you know, seduce yes. Jerry because she's left alone and she's supposed to, he's taped to a chair, like <laughs> excessively taped. And she's like, let's do something fun. Well, I, I've never, I've yeah. never had sex on a table. Well, I've never even ate at this table, let alone have sex on it. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, taped by masking tape. Nonetheless. Yes. And so, and so she thinks, you know, she strips down to her, her underwear and she's cutting him out of the chair so she can, you know, yeah, he goes, have take, sex with yeah, him. Yeah. Take, take, take off the tape, baby. <laughs> That's basically what he says. Yeah. And he's calm. And then she could, the guns, on the table so as soon as the tape's off he pounces and grabs the gun and he shoots at her and it's fucking a fake kid's gun yeah it just, just goes, fires click. it's not really a nerf gun it's fire some projectiles out of it but it's like yeah. it's a kid's gun click and he's like i mean he hits her three times and i love it he 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 looks and he's just like and throws it on the ground and he's backing her down and she's just like jerry i don't understand you know what and then he just punches her and leaves <laughs> But at this point in juncture, it's too late. They're going to play the the monologue. So Jerry's leaving, and they pull up, and we find out it's the bar where Rita works. So Rupert goes in and says to the guys before, don't, don't, no, don't act like you're with me. I don't want, you know, people to know. Yeah. <laughs> so he hops up on the bar, changes the channel, which a bar patron was pissed about, and then we get to finally see the monologue, yeah. which, by the way, the monologue is funny. Yeah, it is. I want to say this, though. I think we learn a lot more in that monologue because I think that monologue is a biography of his real life. Okay. Because if you think about it, he talks about how the kids picked on him. Yeah. He talks about how he was the only one that graduated in traction. Yeah. Uh, he thought that the only way that the kids graduated in high school was by beating him up. He talks about how his dad was an alcoholic and his mom's an alcoholic and uh, they would throw up. So he thought being a grown up was throwing up. Yeah. I mean, he's making it a lot more funny. And here's where I want to come in about the mother. He says that his mother died nine years ago. Oh, that's true. So there's a possibility. And I'm not saying he killed her or anything. There's a possibility. She did die nine years ago, left him whatever. And the it's, voice he hears is, is his mother's voice, but she's not alive. She's probably buried somewhere. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I can see that now. I, it doesn't I, look like yeah. he committed any other crime, so I don't think it's a psycho situation. No, 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 no. Well, no. I mean, it is with the voice of the mother, but yeah. I don't think the mother's sitting in a rocking chair. No, 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 no. Because by he, he's too... I mean, I understand Psycho, he was clean cut too, but like, he's too like clean cut and like, I mean, he's never upstairs though. Right. And so, you only hear her, you never see her. So, I mean, maybe. So I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking because think about it, he's not lying about anything else in the monologue because let's go to the end of the monologue where he says, the only reason I'm here is because Jerry's tied up in a chair right now. Yeah. And the crowd laughs. And he goes, oh, you guys, I'm glad you think it's funny, but it's true. Right now, he's, uh, he's, he's taped down to a chair somewhere in Midtown. That's maybe. the only reason I'm on television. And then he makes the line that is really, really poignant. And he says, you know, but it's, you know, you all will find out tomorrow, but I'll tell you this, it's better to be the king for the night than a, a schmuck your whole life. Yes. But it could also be like the, back to the mother thing is maybe that was what actually really broke him. Like the, nine years ago when she died? Yeah. And Oscar. then this was his setup because it would take time to get all that stuff together and would be, you know, I'm not saying nine years, whatever, but it would take time to get all that, you know, a suit, all that stuff. And get stuff working and then get the infatuation with Jerry. So maybe the like the catalyst of it was his mother dying. There's an interesting scene though. 
as they're watching in the bar and then they arrest Rupert. But there's, uh, at the same time, there's an interesting scene where Jerry is standing outside of a television uh, store. Yeah. Because this is old enough to go. There's 10 TV stores. And on the TVs, every one of them, there's like 10 TVs in the window. All of them are playing the monologue. Yeah, like obviously he can't, I don't he can't hear the sound. It's yeah. inside of a store. He's outside, and he as he looks at the screen, he has this look of like disdain. Oh yeah, and I thought that that was an interesting shot. And I thought that was an interesting. I mean, obviously I understand why he'd be upset, but I think that was an interesting shot. Yeah, it was. So we find out because the movie doesn't end there. He gets arrested. By the way, the cop has a great line. Cop's like, you know what? I wish I could have uh, arrested whoever wrote that uh, little bit you did there. It was terrible. It's a crime against humanity. And he goes, I did it too. He's like, oh, man. Well, while you're away, you need to really work on things so that you really suck. <laughs> Which I thought was weird because I don't know. Maybe that's not the real monologue that we got. Maybe it was a delusion again because everybody seemed to think it was funny. Oh, like, I not just the studio audience, the people there. There was the patrons of the bar that were chuckling about it. Maybe. Yeah. So, I don't know. That, yeah, that, 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 yeah, after you after you say it that way, it does go. It could be a bad monologue, but yeah, in his head, it's that perfect monologue. I'll, I'll remember the Joker does that. It's yeah. not a monologue, though. He's at the club, and they show it on the, yeah. the show. Yeah. So, so we'll get to that. I, I want to tie in the Joker here in a second, but let's get to the end of the movie, because the end of the movie, I think, is genius as well. Great Scorsese ending, because... From there, we go to basically reporters and newspapers talking about Rupert and what happened. And you find out that, oh, 87 million people were tuned into that monologue and people are, you know, Rupert Mania is running wild. And uh, he got sentenced to six years at Allenwood in Pennsylvania, which is an insane asylum. Yeah. And we find out that while he's there, he's saying he's penning his, uh, his, memoirs. His, his memoirs and he's planning on things and he has an agent. And then they say, oh, then it switches over. Oh, he got out, you know, only served two years there. They, they deem him better his book is a bestseller and we end on him being on a set of some tv show whether it's his or not and you know they announce him but they the announcer keeps announcing him yeah and keeps announcing him and then it just fades to black it's yes. over and i'm thinking that the the end of the movie is one of those ones where i think scorsese did it geniusly it's your interpretation yeah it may be real it may just be what was in rupert's head yeah because it's to me like the first part I think where the where they're talking about him going to prison or well the insane asylum and all that happens and I think that could be real but when it starts to morph over him getting out early with a bestseller and now and he's on making a TV, million dollars and yeah. then the one telling thing for me was the fact that the announcer keeps saying his name yeah and not like in a natural way yeah. so to me I'm going is is this him in the asylum pretending all this is happening. So we don't know. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't know. That, I, I left on that cliff here. You you can go either way with it. Like you can be like, oh, okay, so his memoir. But I don't think he was. I don't think his memoirs would have been worth a million dollars. So I'm on the way that he's still in the asylum. But I can see where. So you can take it either way. You have you have justification on both sides. Absolutely. Well, that's where I'm saying Joker did borrow heavily from this movie. Very much, and, and and like I said, you could call it homage. I mean, nice De Niro was in the movie, and De Niro playing Murray. Murray. is uh, akin to the Jerry character in this yeah. movie. So he's gone from being the psychopath to being the host, the the, yeah. the idol, if you will. And I so I thought that's an interesting turn. Obviously, it's not the exact same, but think about it. The love interest for oh, same Joaquin way. Phoenix yeah. is is the bartender yeah. who you know is running a world of things. He goes on a date. She's leery of him. Yeah. He bombs, and it goes on TV instead of a monologue, so they did a little difference there. And, of course, he ends up killing Murray, which is way different than this movie. Yeah. Well, in Joker, he's also like having his like a whole relationship with her, and he doesn't have a relationship with right. her. So. Right, right, right. Exactly. He has yeah. this whole friendship with yeah. uh, Murray, too. Murray. In, in his so like a lot of that is, is, is borrowed or homaged. And then even the ending, because in the ending, we... we the question for the Joker was he's in the insane asylum. So how much of it was real? How much yeah. of it was was just in his head in the insane asylum? Yeah, and if he killed if he killed her or not. Blah, blah, right, blah. right, right. There's a whole bunch of things left in the air, right? Yeah. Which is fine and a perfect way to do it. And that's kind of right off the end of this movie. Like, you don't know where it really ends. And that's fine. I yeah. think that that's, that's one of the better parts of this film is that uh, the ending is so good. With that, Ron, do you have any other likes or dislikes about the movie after we've gone through and talked about likes and stuff and going over it? Do you have any other likes or dislikes for this film? Uh, it's just the the typical stuff Florida likes, like the, the Jerry and uh, the conversations between Rupert and Jerry, like really are amazing in this. Even even the ones that are in his head, like it's two great actors acting together and they're solid. Like it's just so good. Like it's one of those movies that you need. You'll need to see to understand what I'm saying, but it, it, it's if you're into 
uh, two actors bouncing off each other. Like, this is one of those movies you need to see. Oh, I agree. I think this is one of those uh, really like masterclass in acting. Uh, Jerry Lewis, I don't think it's the credit he should get for oh. as an actor. I know that he was in a lot of funny comedies from like the 1950s, 60s. Yeah. That was his prime and heyday. And I mean, he worked throughout his life anyways. However, that's what you, when you think about him, you think about those funny yeah. movies. But even in those movies, he was delivering and acting. And then this movie in particular is one of the few movies in his resume. He did others where he is playing a serious role. Yes. Like his role is not comedic at all no he has no comedy written for him no even though he's the comedic late night host i mean i get we get a little monologue and stuff in the beginning of the movie but that's only to set up the character yeah but the character itself is is troubled that character isn't you know the character's alone first of all yeah you you notice that right away that even though he's the idol of all these people he's alone yeah you never see a wife you never no. see you know anybody around him he's alone yeah he you, walks to work alone he lives in this gigantic apartment alone he lives in fucking this hamptons house or assuming the Hamptons, but somewhere in a long island yeah. in a big summer home alone Alone. Yeah, there's no, there's there's no wife, there's no girlfriend, there's no scenes where you see anything that shows that he has a wife or a girlfriend. Um, Hell, you don't even see scenes where he has friends. Yeah, yeah, like he has got his butler and his cook in this house, and, and that's it. Yeah, I agree. And the driver, and that's it. Like, so there's the three. And then, like I said, you have you know great performance by De Niro. Sandra yeah. Bernhardt brings in a fucking great psycho performance. Oh, I loved it because she wasn't so she wasn't over the top. Because if she would have gone too over the top, it becomes a comedy comedy. You don't go full psycho, right? But you know the thing you think about it, if she goes over the top, it becomes a yeah. real comedy yeah. instead of this Greek Actually, version of a comedy where it's more of a, a downtrodden. Nobody has a happy ending, really. Yeah, because if if you think about it, you know she obviously ends up in a mental institute. Uh, Rupert ends up at a mental institute and Jerry even from that look of disdain almost is like wow like this guy might do better than me like it's yeah. a weird fucking like weird look of disdain on his face yeah. so I don't think anybody has a happy ending in this movie no no, nobody has a happy ending in this movie and that's that, why I think that's, that's up to debate of what the ending is yeah no I agree because I there's you know there shouldn't be hey I wrote this book while I'm in a mental institution and I've only been here for two or three years and it's the number one bestseller because everybody saw my monologue once Right. Especially back in the 80s. Like, it would have been lost and forgotten. Exactly. It's a different so, time. It's not the internet time. Yeah. So, it's crazy. I mean, I, I just think that this movie is just on the point. And I, I think this is really the lost hidden gem for Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I agree. I really do think that. I think this is probably his most underrated film because most people have either not seen it or if they have, you know, or if they have it was so long ago they don't remember. I just think this has become a, quite the hidden gem yeah. of a Scorsese film. Well... We have finished up with the review. So now we got to find out before we give our scores what other sites around the internet thought about the king of comedy. And you know how we're going to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right, it's time to play the game. I'm going to ask Ron to give me the what he thinks are the scores from around the internet. He is uh, then either going to get a, if he's within five points above or below, he's going to get the point. If he gets three right, he wins. If not, the house wins. And I will give you some clues because, you know, that's more fair. <laughs> All right, Ron, are you ready to play the game? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Okay. So first up is IMDb. Out of 10 using points, what did they give the king of comedy? I will give you the clue that it is above a six. 6.7s in my head. 6.7s in your head. You just made it short. It was uh, 7.8. Well, okay. 7.8. A little higher. All right. Metacritic out of 100%. What did they give the king of comedy? Your clue is it is below the IMDb score, but still higher than 60. 72. You're going with 72, and you get the point because it was 73%. Nice. Next up is Rotten Tomatoes critic score. I'm going to tell you this 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 score is tied for the highest of the scores. It is above the IMDb score if you change it over to percentage, which was 7.8, so that would be 78%. What did they give the King of Comedy? 82. You're guessing 82 and just busted on that 90%. Okay. 90%. <laughs> so Google's users are 90%. <laughs> Ron Tomatoes users, you're saying they're 90? You're no, no, I'm saying Google users Google will be 90. Google users are 90? Okay, so Ron Tomatoes. You said the highest one, so we know how Google users Tied are. Tied with the higher one, yep. So Ron Tomato users, this is a user score, the audience score. 
this number is still higher than the IMDb score, 7.8. I'm not going to tell you where else it stands. <laughs> uh, 88. You're going with 88? You get the points because it's 90%. Oh, it's okay. That's so, the one that was tied. Was, that was the one that was tied. So, so it's you got one more to win, and it's the Google users, the dreaded Google Oh, so, that, so this is going to be a low, little lower. Uh, I'm going to give you the clue up front. The clue up front for this is it is still higher than the 78%. So go ahead. What did the Google users give the king of comedy? 80. You're going with 80. <laughs> and this is for the win, Ron. Do you think you got it? No. Nope. You feel confident? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I did. Nice. You just skinned in by the hair on your chinny-chin-chin chin because it's 85%. Literally, if you would have guessed 79%, you would yeah, have Yeah, it's Google users. You, start, you stick with 80. There you go. Well, now that we have found out what other people around the internet think about it, it's time to give our scores. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Okay, we're first up going to give you the nerd score, followed by my critic score. Of course, the nerd score is a recommendation score based on our critic score mixed with entertainment score, which means even if it scored low critically but was super entertaining, we might give it a higher recommendation score and vice versa. The nerd scale is a five-part scale, and it goes as follows. A one is no. This means that the movie is terrible. You should never see it run away from it as much as you can. A two is you've been warned, which means it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned never to watch it. A three is, ah, it's good, which basically means that it's not a great movie. It's an average to good movie. You're not going to regret seeing it, but you don't need to run out and see it. You don't need to pay for it. If it just happens to be on, it's not like you're going to regret watching it, but it's probably not going to be above and beyond. The next spot on the list is just take my money. And you know what? That's for the movies that are essential. Those movies you should go out see. They're the very good to great films. They're movies that you can add to your collection, spend some money on them, go see them in the theater. If they're in the theater, if they bring it back to the theater, you can feel comfortable with it. It's something you're probably going to even add to your rotation. And last but certainly not least is the five slot, and that is the rarefied air known as Certified Nerd. These are the legendary movies that are a must. Movies like Jaws and Jurassic Park fall inside of the Certified Nerd and many, many more. With that, Ronald, what is your nerd score for... The movie The King of Comedy from 1983, and why? I'm gonna, like, I'm battling between two. I'm not gonna lie. Like, it, it's definitely there. It, it is a solid movie. You need to see this movie. I'm not quite sure if it pushes to Certified Nerd. I, 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 it's one of those movies I just saw it pretty much, I'll say for the first time, even though I think I saw it years ago. I think it's a four for me. Show me the money! Like, it's, it, it, I can see where it can go either way. It's how you take the movie. It's how you interpret the movie. I think you need to see this movie, especially like I use this cliche as a lot. Like if you're an up and coming actor, up and coming screenwriter, up and coming director, you, this is definitely one of those movies you need to see to help you for, for your career because it's, it has a lot of Scorsese's touches in it and the acting in it is amazing. And the story is really good. Um, I think there's just a little too much that leaves to the imagination. That's why it doesn't get to a certified nerd. So, which is fine. It's art. It's interpretive. It's sometimes good. I think there's just a little too much when you're bouncing around to what's real, what's not real, and how uh, Rupert plays in this. And like, well, okay, is this real? Is this not real? Like, you don't know how much of this movie really is just in his head. And I think that just loses a little bit for me. That's all. Uh, you know what? I'm actually agreeing with you completely. I'm giving it a, a four. So show me the money. Show me. Just take my money. Take get all that money. Uh, I, it did make Certified Nerd mostly for the same reasons as you. Uh, basically, this movie is a very, very good movie. It is definitely an acting clinic, a directing clinic, a cinematography clinic. This movie is is tremendous. One of the most underrated Scorsese film. It's not his greatest film. It's not his best film. But it's super underrated, and it's a really, really good film, especially if you like movies that take you on a ride. This is not a, a ride where you're going to get a lot of violence, or there's not going to be a lot of upbeat stuff. Like That's where the Joker in this disseminate. Yeah. Joker is very much like there is still, you know, violent scenes and stuff like that. And, and what's what's do help a movie along. Yes. But this movie is just a masterclass in just like psychology where you're just kind of like going with the ebbs and flows of the characters. Uh, the, the only place this movie falls short, I'm going to agree with you completely, is that there's times where balancing between the two worlds of is he crazy or not crazy, what is the delusion and not his reality, for the most part, they spell them out for you, but there's a couple times that I do like how it ends on the, you know, 
like the ambiguous ending. Yeah. That is great. But during the movie, there's a couple other ambiguous spots where I'm like, I wish I would have known that a little more. Yeah. And the other thing that I think happens is that you really don't have a lot of care for the characters. True. For the one thing that this movie falls really short on, in my opinion, is you don't have sympathy for Rupert. Maybe you're not supposed to, but you don't. No. And I think that as the main character, you should. Because if you don't have sympathy for him, you should have sympathy for Jerry. And you don't because Jerry comes across as an asshole. Yeah. There's a scene in this movie that we kind of that we left out because we don't go scene by scene where he's like going down the street and he is signing autographs as he goes. He's hustling, bustling. And you find out later on from uh, uh, Masha the reason he goes down the main streets and busy streets because it makes him feel safe. Yeah. So... He gets to the phone and there's an old lady on the phone. Oh, Jerry, I love you. And he, of course, he stops. Oh, yes, we can you sign this for me? And he does. And she goes, Can you say hi? My nephew's in the hospital with cancer. Can you say hi to him? And he's like, nah, Don't got time. Yeah. And she's like, fuck you. I hope you I hope you get cancer is yeah. the line, which is crazy. But at the same point in juncture, and that shortly thereafter, we get the chase scene from, from yeah. Masha. But she, at that point in juncture, he doesn't know that she's there. Yeah. There's no threat. It's just him and his natural surroundings. When we hear him talking to like the the people who work for him, he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Like a straight up fucking like he's outside the door. There's a man and a stranger in his house. You can his staff is upset. And the first thing he says to the butler is, It took you so long to answer the door. I've been standing out here for like fifteen minutes. Yeah. When he wasn't, he was out there for a couple, yeah. if that. Because yeah. he was having trouble getting the door open. Yeah. And it's just like this really like he doesn't give a shit. So like you don't feel sympathy for him. So no. you should have had to feel sympathy for you know, either Rupert or Masha, and you don't really feel they don't build them as sympathetic. No, not at all. So it's kind of a strange movie. And once again, yeah, you can have a movie where you're not sympathetic to anybody, but I really feel in this movie, if you were a little more sympathetic to Rupert, it makes this movie even that much better. So that's why it doesn't push it to certified nerd, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, even if you're, you know, toward, if you push it towards Jerry, you could you could push it to certified mm -hmm. nerd, but you get nothing from him, like overall. Like you just mm -hmm. get, he's a talk show host. It's that stereotypical, I'm famous, so fuck you. Right, like, and it's very stereotypical. It's one, it's one of the major downfalls of the movie. But it's like being able to sit there and and just know it's okay. That's what it was. That was nineteen eighties New York City talk show host. That, that's what it was. I mean, it's just certain people were just assholes, and it just played off that way. Well, with that, my uh, of course the nerd score. We're both scoring it. Uh, just take my money in the four slot. I'm giving it for my critic score an eight out of ten. It, it it just falls short, but it's not it's not a bad thing. It's a great movie. If you've never seen it, I know that I had to go find it on Apple Plus TV and rent it for three ninety nine. I don't know why they don't carry it anywhere else. Maybe there's a pen deal with Apple for it. Maybe uh, if you get, honestly, if you got an opportunity to buy this in some kind of collector's Blu-ray or something, I would definitely do it. It's a great movie. It's a movie to have in your collection. If you are a movie buff, this is a movie. For for you and if you've never seen the king of comedy please please yeah, check it out definitely. very very good movie all right well if you uh, agree or disagree with us we always like to hear from you so hit us up on the social medias if you would like to find the social media links it's simple go to 3fnpodcast.com they're right there on the main page also there the patreon link the link to t public the link to friends of the show like the odph podcast there's also uh links for the musical directory for the bands who support us with their music so we don't get the dmcas and last but certainly not least the local sponsors of the show that bring you to the shows commercial free every week including the main sponsor dragon master games for all your magic the game gathering gaming needs visit them on the world wide web dragonmastergames.com and if you forget any of that once again 3fnpodcast.com is your one stop shop that brings us to the end of this episode of 3fn rewind and of course i hope you're checking out everything we do here including the weekly flagship 3fn podcast where we mostly review new movies sometimes go into an older one but mostly review new movies and i'm also hoping Hoping that you're listening if you're a horror fan to 3FN Horror Show. It's one channel all on here. If you find this show, they're all here. Check them all out. They're a lot of fun. We put a lot of work into it, and I hope we're entertaining you. We will be back later this month in the month of February to travel to 1993 uh, because, like I said, the gimmick was 40 years and 30 years in the lifetime of me and uh, Loaded Weapon. National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon will be the second 3FN Rewind that came out in 1993. So, Emilio! That's right. We will be visiting that at the second episode of 3FN Rewind for the month of February. Until the next time you hear us, whether it be on that episode or whether it be on the flagship 3FN podcast or 3FN Horror Show. For myself and Ron, I would like to say, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and... If you're ever in the mood to stalk a celebrity, just know 
that that's not going to make you famous. And in real life, you're not going to just go to the insane asylum. They're probably going to put a bullet in your ass. Just just a little cues there. So don't follow the king of comedy in real life. It don't work out, folks. And we always remember, be kind and rewind. You look at me and you look divine And you've been stuck inside my mind